cliffcentral.com. Let us turn our attention to our own continent, Africa, because that's nearer to our neighborhood. And we've missed the man who gives us all this information. We haven't seen him on our screens for a little while now, but you're in luck. Because JJ Cornish returns triumphantly today with African Analysis. JJ Cornish, it's so nice to see you. African Analysis is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School, looking at what's happening around the continent. How are you, sir? I'm immensely well, thanks. Very kind of you to ask. Good stuff. Well, we spoke about where the Secretary General of the ANC is in Russia at the moment, but here in Africa, we've missed out on a couple of important stories. So why don't you catch us up on what's been going on since we last caught up with you? Well, when you talk about Africa, one of the big stories internationally is why the Africans are leaving Africa, why they're trying to get out, and how do you stop it, and how do you control them when they're there. And the Europeans are the most vociferous on this, but they're not getting the most African migrants. They're doing all sorts of things, bribing the Libyans, doing things like that. Mm -hmm. I've got a little tangent on that, and that is that Mexico has suddenly become, and Latin American countries have suddenly become a target zone because Europe is tightening up so, but countries like Brazil, Ecuador are quite visa-friendly to Africans. Now, Mexico uh, had uh, 3,000 people detained, Africans detained uh, in 2023. The year before that, they had 785. It's reckoned that last year there were 60,000 African migrants to Mexico, uh, the year before that, only 6,000. How could it be that hmm. it's increased tenfold? Well, who's bringing them there? They're coming by boat. They're coming by uh, truck. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, com- they're coming from countries like Mauritania, Nigeria. Whenever something's going wrong in Africa, you know the Nigerians will be involved <laughs> in that. Cameroon. They're coming from all over the place, many of them obviously trying to get to the United States. And But uh, essentially, as the Mexican economy grows, many of them are finding comfortable homes there. Now, uh, you, you know, it, it's really bad. The, the, the thing is, I said Europe isn't the, the worst hit by African migration. Countries like uh, South Africa, Cote d'Ivoire, take far more migrants or, uh, uh, and refugees from Africa. Countries like Ethiopia, Kenya... Chad, Uganda, Cameroon, South Sudan, take many, many, many more. And I was looking around, what's the best country for Africans? Well, that's probably Botswana, because it has uh, the the means and the social programs to s- keep uh, uh, Africans. And a small, and of course, a small a lot population. Of Zimbab- yes, and a lot of Zimbabweans were going there. So that is why Botswana always had something to say about what was happening in Zimbabwe because the Zimbabwe, they felt the uh, burden or the, 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 well, certainly the influx of, Zimb- of Zimbabwe migrants when they went there. You know, what are the most beautiful countries to go to in Africa? Well, I suppose Seychelles and Mauritius must be too. But, you know, you know I, I was often joked that I'm old enough to remember when we could afford as South Africans to go on holiday in the Seychelles. But now they've priced themselves way way beyond us. But Seychelles, Mauritius are the countries that many people, Europeans as well, aspire to. So this is the story. The African 
migrant story. It went down uh, two years ago. It started increasing again last year. Uh, the the height of it was about five or six years back. But the fact is, Africans so desperate to leave their country, so desperate that they prepared to risk their lives. And, you know, that's from Tunisia. More and more people are going from Mauritania and so on to the Canary Islands just to get into Spain. They, they risk their lives to get out of Morocco into those two enclaves, Soita and Melilla, again, to get into Spain. So it's a, it's a tragedy of African uh, uh, failure to, to make life worthwhile for their uh, citizens. Now, now, clearly many of these people are fleeing violence and warfare, but many are what, what are euphemistically called economic migrants, people just looking for a better life. Mm -hmm. And many are dr driven simply by desperate economic situation at home to go to there. Uh, we had the Italian uh, Africa summit while uh, at the beginning of this year. And that was all about uh, getting dealing with the migrant problem. And Italy saying that we'll try to address problems back home for you so that you don't feel you have to come here. But that's really wishful thinking to try and deal with what is happening in the African countries. But certainly that seems to be the way, the only way of dealing with it. Because, uh, you know, once they get on those boats, they risk their lives and die in their hundreds. And uh, the, when they refused entry, as some of the Italian uh, governments have done, then those countries are seen to be heartless. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big story in Africa and will continue to be. And it's going to start becoming more and more upfront as the weather turns and the, you, climatically it becomes easier well, to cross the Mediterranean. I mean, we've got to also look at the reasons that people would want to leave. And you mentioned the economic situation in some of these countries. But primarily, I mean, most of the refugees are coming from North African countries that are in parlous states because the people who govern them either aren't governing them. I mean, Libya is just an anarchy. Um, you know, you've mentioned Mali a couple of times. We've talked a little bit about Tunisia and Algeria. Uh, we've spoken about Sudan and South Sudan. We know what a disaster all of those places are, Somalia as well. These are the countries that... Eritrea. Eritrea. Mm. Eritrea, you know, yeah, they're these calling are the, up people these my are the, age. These are the countries that are sending so many, or not sending, but from which the migrants mostly originate. And in Southern Africa, it's you mentioned Zimbabwe earlier, because most of the, the influx uh, to other countries is from Zimbabwe, because it's been run so badly. So if we could sort out, and this is why the elections this year in South Africa and so many other countries uh, are so important... Uh, we need to get our leaders right. If we don't get our leaders right and we don't have good governance, then people will want to leave. Because why the hell would you want to stay, not only in a place where there isn't any chance of you improving your life and where there's war and conflict and famine and all of that stuff, but also where you're governed by the worst possible people? And you know, so we don't have a monopoly on bad leadership. I mean, uh, uh, looking at the African Union Summit, which ended at the weekend, you know, for every wickedness there is in the world, we match them. And, uh, you know, you look around today. Uh, I, I remember at the time of Nelson Mandela, we used to play this game, comparing him to leaders and say, oh, do they match up to him? And men, most of them didn't, but many of them 
were there nipping at his heels. But today, you look around and name me five good leaders in no, the world. Can't do it. Uh, no. Africa doesn't have them. And mm. who, who, uh, who, who are they internationally? The lack of leadership is really the biggest problem in the world today. So, JJ, um, we, we do have elections in South Africa this year. What other countries do we have elections in in the next couple of months? Well, our, our neighbouring... Oi, the audio Lost seems him. to hang have on, cut here. Yeah, let me just get back on there. Don't know what happened. It's elections later this year. Sorry, and JJ. Nana Kufuadu, who's been sorry, there since sorry, 2017. JJ, I, just, I lost you there. Uh, it was he, a bit, we had a technical okay. issue. Do you want to just start uh, again okay. with the elections? I missed that. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm saying that there, there's a bunch of them, more than a dozen. Mm. But uh, one of them is uh, in Namibia. Our neighboring Namibia is one. But uh, Nana Kufuadu, the Ghanaian president, he has promised, and he's been there since 2017. He served two full terms. And he um, uh, is, is promised not to try and run again. He's not going to try and exceed his term limit. But Nana Akufaada was an interesting uh, participant in the summit at the weekend, the African Union summit in Addis Ababa. It was the last one he will attend because by the time uh, they meet again mid-year, he, he, he's, he, he will have changed. He will have stepped down. But he was calling, Gareth, this is so interesting, for Africa-wide telephony uh, mobile interoperability system. And he's saying, you know, we have 50% uh, of Africans have SIM cards, 28% access to the Internet. There's a market, $832 billion in mobile money has moved around Africa. Hmm. So people no longer have to go to banks, take chances with organizations. They can move money. They don't have to change currency. They can move their own currency. And he is saying, if you want this Africa free trade uh, association, free trade area to work, let's work on this mobile interoperability so that I can sell something to somebody in Sudan uh, in, and get money in rands, I can sell to anybody else just by using my telephone. And that will make, I mean, a market of, you know, we are what, 1.2 billion people, one of the richest or one of the largest markets in the world. And if that can work and we have the technology, in many countries they've skipped over ever having fixed line telephones, they've been only uh, uh, mobile telephones. So it's it's a it's a very very interesting to, thing to pursue, and it's very uh, more power to Nana Akufo-Addo that he should go out of office making mm. a call like this, which would help the whole of Africa. Well, that's good news. JJ, I I know this is going to be somewhat of a difficult question to answer, but what is the likelihood of that coming to fruition? What uh, President Nana Akufo-Addo has suggested? How how far are we from that? becoming an actual reality well not that far you know that we have uh roaming around the world i mean and we if we scrap roaming fees like they've done in uh, europe to make it affordable uh there's none not one of the 55 states of africa that don't have mobile uh phones so you, we we just need to concentrate and i i think when you ask how far obviously i wouldn't venture a guess but i think it is very reachable mm. and reachable uh, within a within a, a, a measurable time frame 
Can we turn our attention to, you mentioned the African Union Summit, and I'm always amazed by these presidents and these government officials who fly all over the place and they, they preach to us about climate change and how we should lower our carbon emissions and we should institute carbon taxes because God knows ordinary old us, you know, little people at the bottom who have to pay for our plane tickets ourselves. We are the problem. We are the ones that are causing all this, uh, all this carbon pollution. But these guys fly around in these jets. Sometimes they aren't even full. Uh, sometimes it's just them and a couple of ministers, maybe some press. Mm. But they don't, uh, they don't seem to have any qualms about flying around, using the fuel, uh, jetting in and out of every country's capital on a regular basis. Which of our presidents in Africa is busy with the most trips all over the place? And, and you ask the question, is it vanity or necessity? How many of these summits really well, need to be held in person? Well, the COVID thing taught us that we can do stuff virtually. I do believe in right. looking across the table at somebody being preferable. Uh, and, and, you know, our own president, Cyril Ramaphosa, as his predecessors are all being criticized for being abroad too often. But as a leading power in Africa, we do need to attend these meetings. But we have, uh, the, I think, the worst at the moment is uh, um, William Ruto, who came up as an ordinary guy, not part of the political classes. In his, 22, in, his, yeah, in his two years, he's been abroad 50 times, five zero times. Bola <laughs> uh, Tinubu in 14 months, uh, in eight months in power, has been abroad 14 times. So <laughs> they seem to be the two flying presidents. Uh, the Bola Tinubu is called the, quotes tourist-in-chief. Uh, and William Ruto's nickname is the flying president. But there are many. Uh, Idris Deby, I mean, when, who's no longer there, he was ousted, but he had four presidential planes. So I think Inquasi does a good bit of work. And I, I, I don't really think that uh, Cyril Ramaphosa is profligate in the amount of time he goes away. And I don't think any of his predecessors, maybe with the exception of... Uh, uh, Jacob Zuma going off to uh, to Russia so many times. But, you know, uh, but listen to this one. Tanzania's John Magafuli, he never actually left Africa during his six years in office. <laughs> oh, wow. And I think he, he, did a, he did a pretty bang-up job as president. So, you know, I think we need to look at it. As we certainly need to look at it. Uh, we don't have uh, Air Force One, which costs... 3.2 billion dollars uh and but every one of these uh, uh leaders have planes i mean i see emmanuel macron has an airbus uh, you know everybody all these leaders believe they need these planes uh do you remember the african who was the uh um, um, um the malawian who woman who who sold the, pri the jet private jet well gareth i want to tell you that to travel with her was an absolute nightmare. You traveled to many summits with her because she used to come down to South Africa and then fly from there to Ethiopia or to where the venue was. Because if she was on the plane with you, Joyce you Banda. would land and wait. Yes, Joyce Banda. If you, you would land and wait two hours before you could get off because of security. And if she was getting on the plane, Again, you would be two hours late leaving. It was a nightmare. You used to pray that Joyce Banda wasn't on your flight. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a tough one. But there's certainly, there's certainly room for 
for thought for every single African leader. Do I really need to make this trip? And if I do, can I not make it commercially and and make all the other passengers well, suffer? But uh, do I need a presidential plane? I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Cyril's plane in Kwasi. Now, I, have you traveled on that plane? Have you been on there? Never cracked a nod, no. I, I'm just curious about how, uh, you know, whether it's in, in excellent condition and how often it gets uh, serviced and what it costs us. Oh, I, I, I've no doubt that they look after it well. I mean, they, 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 they would service the plane very well. Uh, the, 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 the capacity for servicing in South Africa has diminished enormously. So probably in Kwasi gets sent abroad for servicing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they wouldn't, they wouldn't uh, skimp on that one. Sure. Just a whole lot of wasting of money, if you ask me. And, and I think you mentioned it earlier that uh, COVID told us a lot. Like we don't have to be in person for these things. We can easily meet up on the way we are meeting up right now, JJ. Like we don't necessarily have to get onto a plane just to have a discussion that in all likelihood doesn't lead up to anything really. Somebody says in the comments, you, you should check the, the seats on that plane for money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm about to do my first trip. Post COVID, yes. you know, so I was, I would have, I would have agreed with you before, but I've just been invited to the OPEC of gas, the gas exporting countries forum, and they're having their uh, summit, uh, their seventh summit. They've been in existence for fourteen years in Algeria, and I'm going there oh. at the end of the month. But we'll we'll talk about that, and I hope Fantastic. to talk to you from Algeria. Yeah, That'd but that will be very interesting. Uh, 19 member countries, it, it really is going to be something. But could we have done it or could they have done it with me looking on? Uh, I do it virtually every day of the week, look on at meetings. So I suppose they could have, but uh, it's, it you know, to really, I think to give it heft, to give it uh, a, certainly more attraction, you have the people going to attend the summits. And, sure. yeah, that's and I think the leaders... We're pay, paying off their political uh, acolytes like to go and, and take a lot of people with them. Yep. JJ, it's great to see you again, and thank you for joining us this morning. The uh, African analysis for this morning is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School, and JJ Cornish will catch up with you in a couple of weeks' time. Lovely to be with you. Cheers. Thanks, That's JJ. very good. Cliffcentral.com.